We'll hear the word of God from the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, you are not worldly. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you come to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, it will receive his re- he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. We are God's fellow workers, says Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. God is at work and we are his co-workers, working alongside him in the cause of the kingdom and the gospel. 
And what is the work God is calling us to do? That song is a missionary song about going out and preaching the good news in the world. We could equally reflect upon what we do here in Brighton Road and look at the church diary for the past week. What are we seeking to do here in Jesus' name? Every morning, before most of us are out of bed, Ian Rose is up in the Soundwaves recording studio making Christian programmes for radio stations that are broadcast all over the world. Throughout the week, this church is open to volunteers, open to visitors, and various organisations come and make use of the premises, and reception is staffed by teams of volunteers whose job it is to welcome people and answer phone calls. On Monday mornings, that's the time to come because the reception team hosts a drop-in coffee cake and company, which is highly valued by all who attend And also helps welcome those who come in to access CGL, which is a social care and health charity that works from our premises throughout the week. While this was going on here on these premises, another team were taking a service at Ashton Lee, one of the local care homes. Other Monday mornings we go to Heathfield. Monday afternoons is a pleasant Monday afternoon, a social occasion principally but not exclusively for older people, which has some spiritual content and which is deeply valued by its members. Our network of house groups wasn't meeting this week, but on Tuesday night a group of men gathered in the Forester's Arms for a discussion around a passage in 1 Corinthians. And that night, as well as on Friday nights, we host the Winter Night Shelter here, providing up to ten beds for people sleeping rough or sofa surfing, those who have links to Horsham. In addition, a number of our people resource the shelter as it meets in other churches on other nights. On Wednesday morning, our pastoral team met to have some training on how as a community we should treat people with respect and be inclusive and holistic in our support to people with a wide range of pastoral needs. Wednesday lunchtime is pop-in, a weekly drop-in lunch for parents of preschoolers, and this is followed by a toddler's group where a high ratio of helpers ensure that the atmosphere is friendly and welcoming and parents are encouraged to engage with their children's play activities. Thursday morning begins with an 8 o'clock prayer meeting for the youth and children's work at Brighton Road. After that Thursday morning here was quiet, which is unusual. Often we are hosting the art group here, or in rapid succession the men's coffee morning, followed by picnic and praise, where parents bring a picnic and their children and engage in craft and play activities around a Bible story. They then have to get out of the way quickly because the bridge club are upstairs. Once a month there is a lunch club for up to 50 elderly people. In the afternoons there is a fortnightly craft club, which is provided mainly but not exclusively for people who are partially sighted. Thursday night is youth club night for children of both primary and secondary school age, which includes a devotional session for both age groups. While they're meeting, the worship group are in here to pray and practice together to prepare for the Sunday services. Off the premises, the trustees of our play school met for the first time, following the play school's successful application to the Charity Commission to become a charitable incorporated organisation. And their new constitution is quite explicit in stating that the object of the play school is the advancement of education by preschool children, but the advancement of education by preschool education of children in the Horsham district of West Sussex and the advancement of the Christian faith as part of the mission of Brighton Road Baptist Church. Our play school runs five mornings, two afternoons a week, with nearly 30 children on the books. And taken together with popping, toddlers, and picnic and praise, This means that the church is developing a really valuable ministry to preschool children and their families, which has scope for expansion 
into providing more in-depth support to parents in terms of giving them the skills they need to instill a sense of confidence and security in their children in the early vital years of their lives. Friday afternoon, the Friends of Play School had a committee meeting. Rusty Brains, run by the Alzheimer's Society, were meeting upstairs. Other Fridays, it might be the family and friends drop-in, principally organised for the benefit of those caring for others. In the evening, while the night shelter was on, another group were meeting to consider baptism and church membership, a reminder that Christ and our commitment to him is the driving force behind all we seek to do. On Saturday, the football club associated with the church fielded five teams to play matches, The first team, the reserves team, the under-14s, the under-16s and the under-10s, though waterlogged pitches meant that all those matches couldn't go ahead. Saturday night, the young people met for the big games night. This morning started with an 8.15 communion service. This afternoon, those who have a ministry of welcoming people at the welcome desk were getting together to review how we can do that better. Think of all the other people who facilitate what happens on a Sunday, preparing communion, preparing the AV, manning the AV, the sound providing coffee, running Sunday club, playing, singing. And when most of us have packed up and gone home for the evening serv- after the evening service, the young people get together again for youth after church. It's a busy programme. And behind all these activities lies a huge range of volunteers who work extremely hard, giving freely, sacrificially, and generously of their time to enable this, all this to happen, doing it as a manifestation of the grace of God who gives freely and generously to us as his people. John and Nigel work extremely hard, shifting stuff around from day to day to facilitate all of this. Rigel, not, uh, Ryan works hard in the office to coordinate it all and ensure that the building supports all this ministry, and Jean cleans up after everybody. I am pleased and proud to be minister of a church which is full, it seems to me, of Christians whose readiness to give of themselves is an effective outworking of the grace of God in their lives. Some people complain that churches are subject like every other organisation to the 80-20 rule. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. But I've never believed that to be true of Brighton Road. While there is no denying that some people probably work harder than is good for them, When I stand here on a Sunday and survey the congregation, I don't see any slackers. I see a community of God's people who are all committed to pulling their weight together and working alongside God in the cause of the kingdom. Each of us fulfilling our ministry in cooperation with others within the body of Christ. It gladdens my heart and I'm sure it gladdens the heart of God as well. We are God's fellow workers here in Horsham. Church committed to the well-being of this town, seeking the welfare of the town where God has placed us, working in partnership with God and with each other to make a significant difference to our community. And that's just the organised stuff, never mind about what people do in their spare time or as their full-time jobs, actually seeking to, to do jobs of service and active involvement that benefit the place where we are. If Brighton Road were to disappear tomorrow, Horsham would be the poorer for our absence. And that is as it should be. So we are God's fellow workers in a whole variety of different ways, working our socks off in the cause of the kingdom. And Paul reflects on what it means for us to be God's fellow workers. And he uses two images, one from agriculture, one from construction. 
both town and country supplying grist to his mill of theological reflection and insight. We are workers together in God's field. That's his first point. The church is the field where God grows the crops that will be the harvest of lives redeemed for the kingdom of God. I believe it's God's purpose for Brighton Road to grow and bear fruit in our ministry together. And what's our role in that? What part do we play in all that's going on? Paul refers to himself and Apollos as examples. Paul was the one who founded the church in Corinth and after his departure, Apollos arrived and carried on his work to build the church up. Perhaps inevitably, there were those in Corinth who set the two men alongside each other and drew comparisons between their respective merits. But Paul will have none of this. What is Apollos, he asks. What is Paul? We are just servants through whom you came to believe. That's all. And that's our role. Whatever we do, we do it not to big ourselves up and declare ourselves as being something important. We are God's servants. As Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He calls us to serve each other in that same spirit. If the church is like God's field, he says, Paul says, then I planted the seed in Corinth, Apollos watered the seed in Corinth, but it's God who gives the increase. Now clearly if you want to grow a crop, the task of planting and watering the seeds are both essential to success. Yet the point we need to take on board here is that all our busyness, all our activity, all the wide range of programmes in which we are engaged will achieve nothing in terms of bearing fruit, unless God is at work in and through all our activity, in and through each of us as individuals and all of us together to produce the growth and the ultimate harvest. Whatever we do, we do in partnership with God, under his direction, through his enabling, by his grace, in the power of his spirit. Otherwise, our business is a waste of time. We'd be better staying at home and doing the garden or watching television. That's why worship is not an optional extra for us. What we do here on a Sunday resources what we do for God the rest of the week, whether that's here on these premises or elsewhere, out in Horsham or the wider world. We gather in the presence of God Sunday by Sunday to be inspired and equipped with the resources we need to go out to live and work for his praise and glory the other six days of the week. Whether that's explicitly Christian service or in the secular workplace, we do it for him. We do it in his name. We do it for his glory and by his grace and in his spirit. That's also why the old adage, if you're too busy to pray, then you're just too busy, is perfectly true. Because whatever we do, we need to do it in the consciousness that God is the source, the means, and the goal of all that we do. And prayer reminds us that we do what we do in conscious dependence upon him. (coughs) Excuse me. And if God is not at the very centre of all we do, if all we're doing is running around being busy at the periphery, then we're not going to achieve anything as far as the kingdom is concerned. We are called to work as if everything depends upon us 
and to pray as if everything depends upon the Lord. And it's no good doing one without the other. Prayer and action go hand in hand. You might ponder that in all that long, long list of meetings, there was only one prayer meeting geared specifically to the children's and youth work at Brighton Road. I've never believed that the frequency of prayer meetings is an indication of the volume of prayer, because a whole amount of prayer goes on outside of the official prayer meetings at Brighton Road. But we need to remember that prayer needs to undergird everything else that we do. We pray for what we do ourselves, but actually as well in the body of Christ, we are called to support each other in prayer. Those who are working extremely hard need to have other people praying for them when they are under pressure. You may not be directly involved in more than one or two of the church's activities yourself, but you can support the others by praying for them. It is as we do that that we are drawn closer together and God's Spirit is released to work more effectively among us. This process of praying for each other is another way in which the body of Christ can be built up. We are God's field. We are only God's servants. God is the one who provides the growth. We recognise that we need to be praying for the growth and for the fruit, remembering that it's God's work that makes the difference, not just our hyperactivity. And we're not only God's field, we are also God's building. And if a building is only as good as its foundations, then our foundation is the best, because our foundation stone is none other than Christ himself. That is the basis on which we live our lives. That is the basis for everything that we do. The fact that God accepts us, forgives us, makes us welcome, includes us in his family, enables us to turn away from sin and live our lives for him, Because Christ came for us and died and rose again and he is our saviour. And our security, our salvation, lies not in what we do for Christ, but in what he has done for us first. That is the foundation on which we build. And we can build on no other foundation. God's grace, God's acceptance of us, God's love for us comes first. Everything we do we do in grateful response to that. Because we are saved by grace. That's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. We're not saved by works, by our business, by our activity, by the long list of things we do in Jesus' name. Because there's no room for boasting in the kingdom. We're saved by grace and our business comes out as a grateful response to the salvation that God has given us in Christ and all his goodness to us. So the foundation is Christ and that is secure, but we are all called to build on that foundation. And Paul reminds us of the need to build carefully, using only the best building materials because the quality of our work will be tested. In August 2016, an earthquake struck Italy and the scale of the damage caused exposed the shoddy construction of those buildings which were destroyed. It's thought that as many as 18% of buildings in Italy have been put up without planning permission. And the Italians have a term for this practice and for the use of shoddy, substandard building materials. They call it abusivismo. In one hilltop town that was almost obliterated by the earthquake, 
The internal partition walls of a three-story palazzo just collapsed, leading to the conclusion that they'd been built more out of sand than of cement. And it all looked fine until the earthquake revealed the flaws in the construction. What we do, what we build, will be examined and probed and tested by God. And in God's building, what lies behind the plaster facade? Is it good, solid brickwork? Or has someone just stuffed the cavity with wood, hay or straw? I think it doesn't matter because nobody knows. But when the quality of the work is tested, will it stand the test? Or will it go up in flames? When God comes to assess our work, it will become apparent whether what we've done is worthless rubbish, built with wood, hay or straw, or whether we've used precious building materials like gold or silver or precious stones. And then you pause and wonder what kind of buildings Paul is talking about here. Whatever happened to good old-fashioned bricks? There's some kind of happy medium between wood, hay and straw and gold, silver and precious stones. What happened to good solid breeze blocks? But this is not any old building he's talking about here. It is the temple of the Lord. The idea that you would use rubbish to build God's temple becomes even more inappropriate. Surely only the best is good enough for God. The best gold, the best silver, the most precious stones. And if that applies to the idea of building a physical temple, how much more should it apply to the ministry we exercise for God? When it comes to doing something for God, it should be a fundamental principle, absolutely axiomatic, that only the best is good enough. We should aim for excellence in everything we do. In the 1700s, Josiah Wedgwood used to go through his workshop based in Stoke-on-Trent. And any piece of pottery or china he found that did not match his exacting standards, he would smash it and shout, this will not do for Josiah Wedgwood. God comes and looks for work that is worthy of him, worthy of his kingdom. All our work for God should be an act of worship, dedicated to him. If that's the case, then we can't offer him work which is half-hearted, or anything less than the very best that we can do. God prizes quality above quantity in Christian service. And the old saying, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing well, most definitely applies. And there's a challenge there, because churches are notoriously bad at assessing the quality of what we do and deciding that if that's the best we can do, we might be better not doing it. Sometimes we avoid cutting programs because we don't want to upset the people who run them or because we feel that somehow doing all this stuff justifies our existence. But if as we examine what we're doing, we find that we're just so exhausted and stretched and overworked 
They were having to make do with wood or hay or straw for projects that really require gold or silver or precious stones. Then we need to be honest about that. With a full program, we need to be ensured that we are offering the best, only the best to God. Is God glorified by what we do? Is God glorified by how we do it? If he's not, then should we be doing it at all? But if he is, then let's give of our best, the best of our time and our energy and our work together and let's soak this ministry in prayer because whatever we do, we need to have God working alongside us and we need to be working under his direction. We are his fellow workers in the cause of his kingdom. And that is an immense privilege. It's a high calling to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in whatever it is we do for him, Monday to Friday, Saturday to Sunday, morning, noon or night. Let me close with a meditation on working for the kingdom. It's been attributed to Archbishop Oscar Romero, but actually it was written by another American Catholic bishop for a memorial mass for priests. When Romero was killed five months later in 1980, it may be that the kind of meditation was attributed to him at that point. It was originally intended for ministers and entitled Ministers Not Messiahs, but it could and does apply equally well to any worker for the kingdom, and as such it applies to all of us here and everyone listening to the sermon. I've adapted it very slightly. It helps, now and then, to step back and take the long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it's even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete. Which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we're about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realising that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, 
an opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end result, but that is the difference between the architect and the worker. We are workers, not architects. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, remind us that what we do can have eternal significance. Renew your calling to us. Enable us to know what you call us to do. What to pick up. What to put down. Lord, we want to work in partnership with you. Thank you for the privilege of working alongside you, following your lead, working in cooperation with your Spirit. Lord, fill us with your Spirit that the words we say might come from you. That we might be able to listen to others with your heart. that we might serve others as Jesus serves, in the name of Jesus. That the good we seek to do would be empowered by your Spirit. That we would fulfil your calling to be salt and light, to make a positive difference. Lord, you know how often it is that the busyness crowds in that obscures our vision of you. Remind us that we take our stand on Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. There is no other. Thank you that whether we work hard or whether we fail, we are saved by grace. Lord, show us how to respond in how we live to your goodness. That the whole of our life might be an act of worship to you and service of others. That we might be good co-workers with you in the cause of your kingdom. And where we stand at a crossroads and we aren't quite sure which way to go, enable us to hear your voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. May we walk with you in this coming week. We ask it in your name. Amen.